today we live in a time where, you know, everybody's talking about the hustle and, and everybody's talking about the grind. And there's a lot more focus on like building something which is cool, but in the mix of all of that, it's easy to lose sight of the real goal. And the real goal is to change your life, to be able to provide for your family, be able to have your kids do things that you couldn't do. The real goal at the end of the day is the income and the money. This episode of the Tide Capital Millionaire Podcast is brought to you by Black America Inc., a trillion dollar nation by A.R. Morton. Black America Inc. is a piece of literature that details and illustrates the socioeconomic solutions that black Americans can implement in their communities today. Whether it be being captains of our own industries, creating our own political parties, or just learning how to strengthen our overall health and wealth, Black America Inc. is what black Americans and Americans in general need to get to the next level in 2017 and beyond. For too many years, we have been talking about the problems and not the solutions. For too many years, we have been pointing fingers at each other without talking about the solutions. This is why Black America Inc. is important. If you're ready to build yourself up and rebuild your community, head on over to Amazon.com and order your copy of Black America Inc., a trillion dollar nation. My name is Andre C. Hatchet, a.k.a. Mr. Own or Be Own, and I'm encouraging everybody listening to this podcast to pick up my new book, Own or Be Own, The Black Man's Guide to Wealth Creation in America on Amazon.com. If you're a black man, if you need guidance, inspiration, a path, a path to follow, to build wealth in this country, pick it up. Own or Be Own, The Black Man's Guide to Wealth Creation in America. Welcome to the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast with your host, Charles Oglesby III, a.k.a. Todd Millionaire. This is the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast. This is episode number 35. Uh, my name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire. I'm the founder and the director of the Todd Capital Investment Club. That club now has 170 members nationwide. I'm also the founder of Todd Acquisitions and Todd Ventures. Uh, Todd Ventures happens to be our crowdfunded venture capital firm. Thank you all for tuning in. The purpose of this podcast is to share the successful stories of African-American investors and business owners so that people can see that business and investing are the true keys to financial success and generational wealth. Today, we have somebody on the show. His name is Ace Chapman. This guy is somebody that I heard on a podcast a while back. Wanted to get him on because we have never had anybody on the show that talked about actually doing what he does. I know a lot of people are familiar with the book, Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun? Um, and a little bit about Reginald Lewis's story, but a lot of people probably don't know anybody who does this in real life, but Ace is somebody who does. It's somebody I've been following for a while, and I wanted to kind of get him on, um, get a chance to hear more about his story so that you guys can be inspired. You guys can know what's possible, because that's really what the point of this show is about. So with that, I would like to welcome Mr. Ace Chapman to the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me on. Man, I appreciate it. I, I tried to get you, and um, I guess persistence pays off. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm glad we made it happen because I, I, I believe we started talking a little a couple months ago. So yeah, I'm yeah. glad we got to connect. So can you tell people a little bit a little bit about um, what you do and who you are? Yep. So I buy and sell businesses uh, nowadays. It's mostly internet businesses, just because of the opportunity that exists. Uh, but you know, I love offline. I love um, uh, internet businesses as well. And I started all of this back uh, 17 years ago when I was 19 with an internet stock market simulator that uh, I bought while I was in college. And that tension to the fact that you could 
buy income instead of trying to create it. And I know you always use that analogy of um, if you want a computer, you're not going to build a computer, you'll buy a computer. Um, can you talk a little bit about yep. that more? Yeah, well, it wasn't anything that I came up with. Uh, it was to, to teach me a lesson. I, I, I was fortunate enough to have a mentor who bought um, and sold hospitals. And, you know, I've been buying and selling businesses for a while. And, and you know, he did really take just random meetings. But, um, you know, we, we met each other. And I think he was he was pretty impressed. Like, who in the world is, at this point, I'm 24. I've done about three or four deals. It's like, who is this black kid that's going out and actually buying these little businesses? So nothing very big, but I was kind of feeling my way through the dark trying to figure all this stuff out and asked him like real questions and um he took the time to start it start meeting with me shortly after we started working together i sold a business and i still didn't see myself as somebody that bought and sold businesses i just saw myself as like an entrepreneur and i um understood that i could kind of move a little bit quicker by buying a business but it wasn't like I felt like this was the, uh, a different path. I didn't see it as a thing. I just saw myself as a business guy. And so after I sold that business, I had an idea for a startup. And I went to him and I, I asked him, you know, like, what do you think about this idea? I kind of gave him my pitch. And, you know, I, I went to him and was kind of passionate about what I felt like would be this amazing idea and he was not very impressed at all uh so i'm looking at him i'm like what, what you know like, what if you're not giving me any feedback like what's the deal so um at the end i just sat down kind of deflated that he literally just gave me the stone face like almost annoyed look the whole time and, um, you know, when I sat down, he started asking me about my computer. And, you know, it kind of hurt my feelings. I'm like, you're not even going to talk about my, my idea? Computer, like, he was in the market for a computer. And I told him I got it from Dale. And he was like, why didn't you build it? And, like, well, like, I don't know how to build a computer. He's like, you go online and, and figure it out. And he's like, I don't have the parts. He's like, you can buy those online, too. And really what his point was was, that's if you didn't build it because your point wasn't to own a computer. You know, your goal was to be able to use a computer to write emails, to be able to get on Facebook, connect with your friends, to be able to do a Word document when you need to. You wanted to be able to get the benefits of the computer. Today, we live in a time where, you know, everybody's talking about the hustle and, and everybody's talking about the grind. And there's a lot more focus on like building something which is cool, but in the mix of all of that, it's easy to lose sight of the real goal. And the real goal is to change your life, to be able to provide for your family, be able to have your kids do things that you couldn't do. The real goal at the end of the day is the income and the money. And that's what the point of all this was. And so, you know, he was like, when it comes to cars, when it comes to houses, when it comes to laptops, 99% of people would never consider building from scratch. It's only when it comes to trying to generate income that we think, oh, well, I want a business. I've got to build it from scratch. And the best way to get between two points is a straight line. But nowadays, there's uh, a lot of 
uh, kind of twists and turns instead of just going to the straight line. So instead of just going, okay, what is the quickest path for me to get income in my bank tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Like, can I, you know, when I close on a deal, I buy business, the income from that business starts going into my bank account the next day. So instead of asking what's the quickest path to the income, it's like, okay, well, first let me get motivated. Like, let me go read some motivational books. And, you know, which is really funny because when you talk to the average person that's, you know, like my mentor that, that's uh, worth a few hundred million dollars flipping uh, hospitals, that kind of thing, they're just not, like, if you're not naturally motivated, you're probably not going to make it in this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, they're not reading a ton of motivational books. They're not on Instagram getting pumped up <laughs> off of some motivational quotes. Like, they're just in the grind and, and, and doing the work. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, the next step is, all right, I need to learn about Facebook. So you take another turn and you go and you, you learn all about Facebook. And then, like, you know, Instagram comes up and that's the new traffic source. So you got to get a, a big crowd on Instagram. And now you got to figure out how do you get that crowd to go from Instagram to your site? And then, you know, just like conversion and this and that. It's just it's this endless twist and turn of how you're getting from really just one point which is broke or wherever you are right now to another point which is income and it makes people very confused and the very sad thing is that each one of those points there are a ton of people that are making money by creating a lot of this confusion yeah Yeah. so that's the the extended version of the laptop story a lot of times people will go look at a business i've looked at like different firms i'm uh, in the legal profession so i've looked at like buying a law firm and you'll see that this law firm is selling for $300,000 and you'll look at like the income statement or the pro forma financial statements and you'll show that it'll kick out $100,000, $200,000 per year. But that hurdle is the $300,000. So how do you get the funding to get to that $300,000 to then get to the income of $100,000? Yeah, that's a really important question. And I think the first thing that has to be addressed is um, because a lot of people will ask that in reference to okay if I uh, start something then it's not expensive I don't have to figure out how I'm going to get the money and the truth is you do you know like if you're going to start something from scratch you still got to figure out where the money's going to come from because even if you've got the lowest cost you know you need like a location at, at, the, at a minimum you put it in a deposit you got to pay them train them if you're going to have inventory or something like that you got to put out for that if you are just paying your living expenses while you start something on loan, on, online you got to uh, kind of put that time and and money into it when you have that time period of zero to uh actually just break even each one of those months you're losing money and once you get to break even you're still not making money um so it's important to understand that whatever you're gonna do You've got to figure out how you're going to get the money. Now, the easier thing, though, is when it goes to going and getting the money, it's a lot easier to go to a bank, to go to an investor, to go to any of those places with something that is making money. So if you go to an investor and it's a startup and it's because every time they've tried to raise capital, it was one of those 
you know, harebrained ideas like the one that I pitched to my uh, mentor, which I thought was absolutely genius, but I can't remember what it was right now. So it must not have been that amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And the downside is, is a lot of those fail. So the percentages are really, really low. So, I mean, when you go into the startup business, you'll probably get one success for every 10 launches. How do you ensure that a company that on paper is making money is going to continue to make money? Yeah. And so, well, and the first thing is, you know, you got to get the money to buy. And, and I'm sure people are, are, are listening, trying to figure out where to get the money to buy. Um, and, you know, I go back to the very first deal that I did because it really ties in. I mean, some of your investors and, and people that you borrow money from are the people that can help ensure that it's going to be a good deal because it's a good sign if a bank doesn't want to give you money on a deal or if no investor wants to give you money on a deal that it's not going to be something that's going to last you know they see issues and so so instead of fighting them trying to make the deal happen you want to learn and say okay what don't you like what would you like in a deal and you go out and just find the deal that is what they want it's kind of like the idea that the deal drives the fund exactly nice so it becomes way easier to get funding for an amazing deal. So, you know, if, if you've got a Bentley and it's brand new and somebody's desperate to sell it and they got to sell it for 25000 it's not hard to find that person that's <laughs> willing to buy that. Mm-hmm. So if you got a really great deal, money will come to that deal it's really tough what people don't understand is that what i didn't understand as a 25 year old was that ideas are literally worth nothing (laughs) they're just 100 percent worthless it's so funny to me when i meet with somebody and they're like oh i got this idea i don't really want to share it because somebody you know i got to get an nda it's like oh don't worry about it (laughs) like there's no idea i need to hear that bad um and and (laughs) The, the truth is that it just is so worthless. The people that are would be the type of people to take your idea are working on things and busy. You know, I mean, the other people that aren't doing anything, they're not going to do anything with your idea either. What's way, way, way more important is execution of something. You know, outside of in now, when somebody has a business that is working and making a few hundred thousand, a million dollars a year. I'll sign an NDA all day long on that because you've done it. Like you deserve to be protected in every way because you've got something of value because you've gone out and you've executed. But that person that just has an idea, it's 100% the the same, you know, just completely worthless. It hasn't been tested by the market yet to even know if it's a viable idea. Yeah. Yeah, it hasn't been tested. There's no system around it. There's no trained employees that can run it. There's, you know, just no marketing. There's nothing that that is. It's all of those things that come around an idea that that turn it into Uber. But if I came to you and said, hey, you know, and this is the difference between 70 billion and zero. 70 billion is uber zero is me coming to you and saying like oh you know what i should do i should start an app that anybody could use anywhere in the world and call up a car and pick me up and take me to my destination and the car is going to be in there and the directions and everything that's worth literally 
$70 billion less than Uber. So you mentioned that you like buying internet companies. Can you talk to us about what an internet company looks like? Yeah, so there are a couple different things. You know, obviously, most people are really familiar with F built with uh, e-commerce businesses. And, you know, it's just it's a simple model. You've got some inventory. You've got some products that you're, you're going to sell. You're going to put them on the website and people will come and they'll buy them. And you're selling the products for more than you pay for them. And, and that's really easy. The cool thing is that because the Internet, you, there's so many different models within each model. So within each e-commerce, e you could have drop shipping. So we have some drop shipping deals where we basically have these businesses that we sell the product. We don't really even have the inventory when we do a, when we have a sale. That order goes to the manufacturer and the manufacturer sends. Uh, you've got models like FBA. With the FBA business, you are sending the inventory to Amazon. You're not doing any of the marketing like you do all the marketing and, and drop shipping. Um, you're really focused on having a really great product that's going to get really great reviews on Amazon. Then you switch over to a totally different model like uh, content business and that could be something as simple as a blog as simple as an online magazine um, but it could also be a forum where people are, are, are doing the talking and you're not really even doing the writing and we all own each of those models and with each of those models you are having people come to a website clicking on an ad mm -hmm. and either buying something where they would get and uh, we would get an affiliate commission for them buying something through clicking on our site, they're clicking on the ad and we get paid for that click. And so is that kind of where you want to stay now? Or are you looking um, at other options or what's what's kind of your strategy going forward? Not your strategy. I don't want to know too much of your your strategy, but what's your, your outlook, I guess? No, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty open source. So my strategy is... Uh, a, a very much a, a diversification of these different models and then uh, leveraging strategic relationships between the businesses that we buy. So if we buy one business that's in the running space and it has this demographic of people that are coming to a blog to read about running and then we have uh, another business that we can buy that sells products to that space and we can buy both of those businesses, buy them a great multiple they're both already making money on their own but combined they can make even more and so how are you finding deals like this is it through networking word of mouth or yeah a lot of it is you know it, doing deals helps you find more deals doing a deal with a seller they're usually going to be in a network of other people that have similar businesses so you do a deal with somebody you build that relationship with them then you eventually uh, end up in a situation where they're talking to a buddy where, you know, they're really happy dealing with us. And then they connected us before we even closed on a deal with them. They connected us to another potential seller. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's being able to be really professional, knowing what you're doing, being able to structure a deal that you're going to be able to stick with. Uh, you know, they had already dealt with some amateur amateur buyers before us. And so when we came in, it was like, oh, wow, that's my favorite. Like, I, I hate being the first person that they deal with because they don't appreciate you. Uh, the best thing for me is having somebody who um, has had two or three people, you know, some amateur buyer comes in, they don't know what they're doing, they're 
uh, kind of try. They want the business, but they're kind of nervous. They make an offer, then they walk away, or they get in. They don't really. They realize like I don't know how to do due diligence, and, and then they walk away or whatever. Hmm. So it's great for me to come in when when they've already been dealing with somebody else. So I, I, I don't like to necessarily deal with uh, with them at the very very beginning. Although we we obviously get those deals, you know it, it, that was a great situation because they had when. We took them through our process and everything was organized and, and all that. It was like, whoa, you know, so we hadn't even closed and they were referring people to us. So that's the best thing, you know, it's just like a customer. You know, it just so happens that our customers are really people that we're giving money to. You know what I mean? So we're buying from our customers, but the, the business seller, the business owner is really our customer at the end of the day. So if, if a company is generating cash flow, why would they want to sell it? That's a great question. You know, to talk about a deal that we just did, some um, multi-million dollar deal, it's a big deal for us, but it was owned by a company that's a $50 million business. So the only time that a business is, you know, that, that may be a $5 million business is just annoying to somebody is when it's been run by somebody who's focused on a $50 million business that they can turn into a $100 million business. So if you got a $5 million business, like, okay, even if I doubled this, <laughs> it's still not going to compare to me growing this to a $100 million business. So this is annoying. So one thing could just be that it's, um, that there are bigger opportunities for the person. So big opportunity for my mentors who, who's done multi-hundred million dollar deals is something that is just, you know, uh, is beyond anything I'm thinking of. And, you know, a normal deal for me is bigger than a lot of the, the coaching clients that I work with. Uh, so there's always these different levels. The next thing is just there are people that are, you know, retiring and moving on to something else. So they're in a situation where they just need to get rid of the business. And in those cases, you know, obviously they're a little bit more motivated than than some of the other folks that we work with. Uh, but that is a, a, a big part, especially right now with all the baby boomers, a, a big part of the deal flow. And then you, you have people that get sick, unfortunately, uh, divorces, cause sales. So a lot of reasons that people have to sell. Yeah. Sounds pretty similar to real estate. <clears throat> You're looking for the problems and then you solve the problems by stepping in and helping solve that problem for them. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I mean, a lot of times I'll see something on the market and it's like, man, is it really worth that much money? And so how do you determine what the value is of a company and how to avoid overpaying for a company? Yeah, because the value is always changing. You know, it, it based on kind of what's going on in the market. One of the, the really helpful things is just staying in touch. If you stay in touch with the market, it becomes a lot easier to, well, it becomes a lot easier to, to know if something's outrageous or not. So I, I look at everything. Like people are like, oh, like, can I, can I send you, like, what kind of deals should I send you? I'm like, all of them. <laughs> like, I'm, I don't, I don't really, I, like I won't. Look at all. I mean, you know, it's not like I'm gonna try to buy all of them. Most of them I can look at in 30 seconds and know that it's not one that we want to do. But I want to know everything that's on the market, and that um, just helps. It helps you know what what valuations are going for, and then tracking like what's sold. So again, similar to real estate, it, it helps you stay clued in there. 
And so then after you buy the, the business, one of the things I've always been kind of nervous about is like, what if you have a customer base that's really tied into the old owner? Um, is that something you've ran into and how did you overcome that? Yeah, so that's so, when whenever you get into a deal, one of the most important things is, are you going to be able to run it? You know, is it something that can really, that can be transferred? I mean, as you know, if you've looked at law firms, there's some law firms that are not worth taking over because all you're buying is a job. So they got, you know, one attorney, he's doing all the work. He wants to get rid of the firm. Maybe he has some assistance, but at the end of the day, he's doing everything that drives revenue in that business. So all you're buying is a, a job and you're probably going to lose some of those people because having a, a they have a relationship with that attorney. And so you've got to plan for that attrition. So in every deal, you've got to assess going in. You're not trying to figure that out on the back end, I guess is my point. Yeah. Like the last thing to do is buy something, realize that the customers really had a relationship with the owner and then be trying to figure out, okay, how do I, how do I like manage that? It's got to be from the very jump that you're either planning for, to, you're planning to lose a bunch of customers or uh, you stay away from those deals. So for us, we just stay away from those deals because it makes it way too tough to try to figure out who's going to do what, how much money we're going to make, blah, blah, blah. You know, we, we, we need to be able to have a very, very smooth transition and ensure that our returns are still going to be strong. This is Ken Morris the CEO and founder of Multibex, the private equity investment firm, and the creator of the brand Lord of My Land, the alpha gentleman entrepreneur. And I am a proud supporter of Tide Capital. You can find me on Instagram at Lord of My Land and at the Lord Ken. So let's kind of circle back to the beginning and talk about somebody who wants to get started doing this. So I remember we had a conversation a while back and you said that these are the certain things that you would expect somebody to have before they even try to get into the business buying arena. So can you kind of give us an idea of what those things are? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think that this is something that's good for people that are um, completely broke, uh, you know, actually doing a deal. I think that it's great to get into So one of the opportunities that we give for people is to be able to refer deals. They join our program, we teach you how to refer deals. And, um, you know, we just actually had a guy who's 24, 25, getting started in this stuff, and uh, he referred a, a, a large uh, seven-figure deal, and he got a six-figure referral fee. Wow. So, you know, for a lot of folks, that's life-changing, yeah. you know. So that's a good place to start. You're learning at a very basic level. How do I get these deals? How do I make money off of uh, getting the, just referring these deals? And you start to, to generate that cash flow and then you can take that and go out and do your own deals. Um, to go out and do your own deals, you want to have either relationships where you are accessing capital um, and you know we do some training on how to raise capital uh, but it's it's one of those situations that I tell people you know if you are on your last dollar like we live you know especially if you live in America if you live in America like the first thing is just go out and do what it takes to, to have at least a little bit of money in the bank so that you're you're comfortable you're not on your last uh, last dollar because even if you're just referring deals 
and you're desperate that will kill deals so if you're going to somebody and you're trying to and you're like man i really need this uh business to sell because i need it to i need that referral fee that's gonna turn off these sellers because you're dealing with something that is the biggest asset in their life you know when we're when we're buying a lot of these things this is this is their little baby like <laughs> you know when you really think about like a business and you're spending 12 hours if you got a 10 year old business and a 10 year old kid you probably don't spend more like awake hours on, on the business than your kid <laughs> so the, the business has to uh be something that's treated very delicate uh, you know, a lot of times they get cold feed and, and, you know, if you're pressuring them, you're going to miss out on a lot of deals. So personally, what kind of advisors are you working with when you start, when you kind of engage in your deals? A lot. It depends on the deal. I have a lot of people. So, but, you know, I have people that I've done e-commerce deals with. Uh, and a lot of times those folks, if I'm looking at an e-commerce deal, there are a series of folks. Some of them come from sellers that I've bought from in the past. Some of the advisors are just, you know, the regular folks, attorneys, accountants, bankers, like just, you know, when you get into some of this stuff, just opening up bank accounts and all that. And we got different LLCs. So we have just an amazing currency that helps us out. You know, when we're closing deals, just having all the banks set up and switch over merchant accounts and all that can be a lot of work. In each case, it's, it's, it's usually going to be a different series uh, of advisors. But one of the things things that's been neat is, and when, you know, when I talk about looking at deals and building relationships with sellers and learning from all of the deals that are out there, one of the things that's been neat is being able to build a relationship with each of these, each of each of the sellers that have built these great businesses. And obviously they have some expertise. And so in some cases we've gone back to them and hired them as consultants, hired them as advisors on other deals. Oh, that they have to they know how to do it from scratch. So if we can bring them in, you know, we get one content deal that's using one SEO strategy already, and we can bring somebody else in from a deal that we bought, and we know that they're great at this whole different SEO strategy, that allows us to grow businesses a lot, a lot faster. So what does a typical day look like for you? Long. Nah. <laughs> Uh, right now it's, it's really busy. So, you know, I took off and, and did what turned out to be a mini retirement. It was supposed to just be a vacation. Uh, but I ended up living in the Caribbean for about three years and, wow. and taking it easy. And that was beautiful. Were you getting paid really the entire time? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I had a portfolio of deals that, uh, you know, paid the bills and, and that kind of thing. And I had to decide, I was like, do I want to complicate my life and, and really go big? Or do I want to kind of be at this smaller level? You know, kind of what do I want to do? And so, you know, I decided if I came back that I wanted to, to, to go really, go, go really big and, and try to build something. Um, and so, uh, the, the goal was to build a portfolio of a hundred million and uh you know we, we pretty quickly got the, you know we got a 10 million dollar fund reaching a 20 million dollar portfolio pretty quickly and so i realized like oh wow like you know maybe this thing could be a billion dollar uh portfolio of, of deals and so 
that is the new goal and that kind of goal requires uh, long days <laughs> so you like making phone calls how do you how do you kind of manage these businesses that are operating you just kind of look over the systems do you manage your managers how does that look yeah I, I manage the managers uh, we're always training recruiting bringing in more deal makers so I manage deal makers uh, and managers yeah so a lot of the day is split between looking at new office space because we're hiring more people then had a call on a, on a possible new deal had a call with one of my managers had a call with uh, one of the advisors and who's also an accountant for the fund then just working with my team on just reports and quarterlies and looking at the different deals and, and that kind of thing, uh, getting some investor stuff, getting some wires out, and then this call. Um, a lot of people, that they're big on real estate, and it seems like you're big on business. Are you still into real estate as well, or are you just super focused on business? And if so, why are you kind of more business focused and not so much real estate focused? Yeah, so I owned, I was in real estate because I bought a business that was a real estate business. So I bought, uh, man, about 10 years ago, a business called Homevestors. And, and I bought a couple units and we bought and sold over 100 houses while I owned it. And then I sold that business very uh, unwittingly, but fortunately, uh, right before the, the crash, I sold it. So I was, that was a blessing, but that was, uh, it was a business. So it's more of, I, I wanted to do, I was kind of interested and curious about real estate once I bought that business in real estate. The biggest difference was, you know, I had about 30 unit property, rental units. And, you know, I had already done five or six businesses. And I would buy these businesses at a two to three multiple. So that means I'm getting all of my money back in two to three years. Well, when I got the real estate business, I'm like looking at the equity being built. I'm getting these mortgage statements back and all this. I'm just like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be an old man <laughs> once, I, once I do get rich from these things. This is forever. So, you know, it's like 15 years, 20 years, 30 years to pay things off. And it was just really just kind of a calculation. It's like, yeah, I think I'd way rather be, I'd rather be uh, rich young, even if I'm less <laughs> to be rich young than rich old <laughs> so uh, uh, you know it's more of a strategy thing when, when I'm buying something at two three multiple that allows me to kind of take that cash flow pay off something really quickly it's freed up cash so I can buy the next thing with that cash flow now I have two businesses that are generating cash flow and so that wealth building process just happens uh, a lot quicker well so how do you determine the multiple? This is a, this is something I've seen a lot. I'm actually winding down, but this is one of the questions that I'm kind of curious about because, I mean, obviously you'll see what the, the net income is and then you'll see what they're selling it for, but usually they kind of dictate what they're selling it for, so they dictate the multiple. How do you know what the industry norm for the multiple is? Yeah, it does go back to what I was saying earlier as far as looking at a lot of deals because, you know, if you look at, let's take FBA deals like fulfilled by Amazon. If you look at everything that's on the market with Amazon, you're going to know. 
You know what I mean? Like this is everything that's on the market. These are the things that sold. And, um, you know, these other things must be overpriced because they didn't sell. Mm. Um, and so you, you just that that's the best way. It's just like the stock market. Like it would be crazy to just go one day and buy something in the stock market. And you haven't been watching that stock. You haven't been paying attention to the overall market. You know, it's still the same normal things. You know, there's no like magic like, oh, well. You know, this is the right multiple for this kind of deal mm-hmm. because everything comes into play. Yeah. You know, we just did. I normally like if, I, if I'm doing something like, oh, I don't really do deals over three multiple right now. But we just did a deal over three multiple because it's 11 years old and in Internet years. That's like, you know, forever. <laughs> so, you know, with every rule, there's always, uh, you know, the, the, an exception. So what are your five year goals? You know, my biggest goal is not about a time frame, but, you know, I want to want to get to a, a billion dollar um, portfolio of Internet businesses. Um, and then everything else, I'm, I'm very happy. Like, I'm very happy with my life. I'm very happy. You know, I feel very fortunate, very blessed and happy with health. You know, I think a, a big over the next five years, I'm testing a lot of things right now health wise. So trying the keto, you know, just like how do I feel on a ketogenic diet versus uh, trying to be vegetarian versus, uh, you know, paleo instead of um just saying like oh this is the diet that i'm gonna do so i'm big into testing everything so you know when i'm figuring out where i want to live or whatever like in areas and cities and and all that stuff um so yeah just testing things out life is good that's the biggest goal overall for you know who knows how long it'll take and i think one thing about all this stuff is that it's important never to be in a rush but also never to go too slow so you know it's it's always a balance but i think the really important thing is not having like deadlines because it's all about the deal you want to make a decision it's just a really strong deal uh when you've got this uh this deadline like oh well we have to buy I have to buy this many deals before this. That is what can get people into trouble. Yeah. So are you reading any books right now? Um, I am. One book that I always go through and back through is uh, Berkshire Hathaway Leather Letters to Shareholders. Uh, really excellent book. I definitely recommend it. Obviously, reading a book about uh, the Ketogena Diet. I'm de- reading a book about Bulletproof Diet. I've got uh, Tools of Titans, which is a great book. Timothy Ferris and uh, Russell Brunson's new book, Expert Secrets, Reginald's book, uh, Watch Why Guys Have All the Fun. So Michael Milken was a big Bond guy in the 80s. I'm sure a lot of your listeners will recognize the name. But what a lot of people may not know is that he was the guy that did the funding for Reginald Lewis. Mm -hmm. And when he did the funding for a couple deals, he actually got death threats to him and his kids uh, for him providing funding to Reginald Lewis and uh, dealt with that and still you know didn't shy away from from doing that uh just like stepped up his security and all that and it's like you know he wasn't gonna let anybody stop him so really cool dude and uh very successful and uh yeah so those are a few what would you say is your favorite book of all time 
watched the white guys have all the fun. That probably this obviously had the biggest impact on my life. La- I have two questions. I'll, I'll wait on the last one. But what do you think is what keeps people from not continuing to go forward in the business buying business? I know a lot of people, they said they bought one and they stopped or they just never bought any. What do you think prevents people from following through? There's a big difference in being a, and this is the shift. The shift that I made when I was pitching that idea to, and, and just over the time that we had, we got to spend together uh, with my mentor, the, the shift that I made was that I became a, a business buyer or an investor. And we've all read the Robert Kiyosaki books, and you know he's got the quadrants, which is excellent. Uh, but you know he got the E quadrant and the S quadrant and the B and the I, and each one of those is way different, and also requires a different skill set. So, uh, uh, what people are, are, are sometimes trying to do is go from E to I if they're trying to be like a business buyer. So, you know, I spend my time kind of as an, an, an as an investor, but it's easy to get bogged down. I mean, all that happens is that, you know, if you're trying to get from E to S and you can't, you're just bogged down in E. You're spending too much time in E and not enough time working on S. And that's just, it's just a tough thing to do. You know, if you're in S, and you're trying to get to B, you know, that's a bunch of work, you know? And, and so, you know, you're doing the work as a self-employed. That's like the attorney who, you know, may have a couple of assistants, but they're the ones that are producing all the work and, and really generating the income. Uh, if you're a B, that is a bunch of work. You're dealing with the employees. You're, you're dealing with customer complaints, suppliers, all that stuff. So, you know, we, when you're talking big picture, it's easy to, to, to be like, oh, this is easy. Just go from here to here. And that's uh, one of the, the coaching things that we do is, is you know, it's a very slow and, and it's, uh, it's a process. It has to be done methodically in order to kind of be able to move through those steps and it takes getting pushed. What does wealth mean to you? Freedom, freedom and fun. You know, I think part of it is, you know, if you're if you're playing basketball and you're Michael Jordan, you, you want to you, you want to play in the NBA. You want to play against the best. You want to win a championship. You know, you want to do it. And it's not about like, oh, it's because uh, I'm going to make more money <laughs> next year if I win the championship or I win the MVP. Like, that's a side effect. But you're not like jumping up and throwing your fists in the air at the end of the game because, you know, you're going to be able to negotiate a better contract next time after you win the championship. It just feels good to be in a game, play that game to your best, and win. And so it's it's the same with the game of business. You know, I, I'm not doing, I'm not doesn't come up with a goal for a billion dollar portfolio because I'm like, oh, I need you know that amount of money to buy a private jet or you know some ridiculous thing. It's like no, like that that's the game I'm in. That's the game I chose to play, and I want to play it with the greats. A lot of content, a lot of meat on this bone here. Um, I'm going to re-listen to this and take notes and learn even more. I appreciate your time. Where can people find more about you? Um, they can go to acechapman.com. There's some stuff there. They can also search uh, Ace Chapman on YouTube. 
and a lots of content. I mean, it's, you know, uh, I, I'm not selling a um, online course or anything like that. So a lot of stuff I give away for free. So yeah, definitely check out the YouTube. All right. Well, this has been episode number 35. If you have any interest in joining our investment club, either on the stock or the real estate side, please email us at info at capitaltod.com. You can also find more information about our company at capitaltod.com. This is Charles Oglesby, also known as Top Millionaire, signing off.